Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and good evening to the listeners. Tonight we are doing constitution matters again and as I say always it's different from the legal hour. The legal hour only starts at 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock but tonight between 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock we have the constitution matters which is a different program and it's got a constitutional slant. Your host is Ihsan Higgins, it's myself. And um, we now, tonight, you know, we have a very different uh, matter since last week. I mean, this is the second episode of Constitutional Matters. And a series that will, and then, as we said last week, it's a series that will air every Monday evening at 6 p.m. throughout the month of September. And it is presented in collaboration with the Voice of the Cape, Students for Law and Social Justice, the Council for the Advancement of the South African Constitution and Canon Collins. Those are the people that brought this particular program to, to, the, to the listeners. And during this series, we'll be discussing pressing matters in the Constitution, matters that mainly affect you and I. In this series, we hope to educate and inspire you and ignite this thirst for the Constitution. And... Um, of, and as we say that over the next few weeks, we said we're going to focus on education, property, and violence against women and, and children. And of course, the right of freedom of religion and freedom of expression. So last week, we, we dealt with this. We started with the right to protest. We somehow dealt with the Marikana um, massacre. And t- tonight, we will deal with the whole issue of um, edu- education. More particularly, we're going to focus on the fees must fall protests, and um, we're going to hopefully have a very robust discussion again tonight, you know, like we had last week, asking the specialists, the panel before me, um, you know, very difficult questions, and uh, I'm sure, you know, they can answer all those difficult questions. Now, the... The listeners are invited to participate. You know, they on the SMS line, they can contact us on 47913 and on WhatsApp on 072-238-0712 and the studio on air. Well, we're not going to field live calls because we just don't have enough time for that. So send your messages and I will ask those questions to the panel. And um, so I'm not going to give the whole introduction, you know, that the... The producers have asked me to give because it's a long thing, but I will I will cover it as we as we go along. And now tonight in studio with me this evening is Dr. Conrad Potberg from the University of Cape Town. Good evening, um, Dr. Potberg. Conrad, can I call you Conrad? Conrad would be fine. Okay. Good um, evening. Just a correction: the University of the Western Cape. What did I say? University of Cape Town. Ah, okay, okay. Sorry, <laughs> my mistake. So, it's University of the Western Cape. Thank you for that, Conrad. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, um, I've been a teacher for gosh, a number of years and moved into higher education in 2011, where I worked in the Faculty of Education at CPUT uh, before joining UWC last year in the Law Faculty. Um, as the teaching and learning so specialist. So what did you do at CPUT? I lectured in education itself, in education in, management. In the education department? Yes, in the okay. education department. 
And so why did you leave CPUT? No, I think probably <laughs> there was a greater challenge at <laughs> UWC. Um, yeah, look, I've been at both institutions. I've been at I did my law degree at Western Cape, and I I was sitting on council of CPUT up till recently. So I'm very familiar <laughs> with the two institutions. That's why I'm asking you the question. Yeah. Now I'll just divert from that <laughs> specific part. <laughs> okay. The move away from CPUT. Mm. Okay. Now great. So we, I know at least now we've got a, a really a you know, somebody is going to answer the difficult questions. Then the other person that we have in studio is one we invited back from last week because he knew such a lot. So we figured, you know, bringing him back is is, is giving us a very good perspective on how, you know, these things happen in the protests and, of course, now with the education issue that we link for that. So I have with me Mr. Ghalib Khalan. Assalamu alaikum, Ghalib. Wa alaikum salam. And, and Ghalib is from the Right to Know campaign. Okay, so thank you for agreeing again to join us. I know it's uh, in the traffic, you, you need to get here, and it's an awkward time, but yeah, you're here now. So thanks for that. So we are discussing in this episode the Constitution Matters in respect of education and more particularly in terms of section 29 of the constitution okay so now and for those listeners you know you need to sit a little bit closer especially those that have children at university or at any tertiary institution you know to sit a little bit closer because we cannot deal with this issue of the right to free tertiary education emphasis on free so sometimes free is not always free and we need to unpack that situation, okay? It's an ongoing debate in this country. And uh, we want you out there, the listeners, to join us in this conversation. Now, some of you are in the car and it's very difficult to SMS or WhatsApp. So um, maybe if you leave a voice note, then my producers on that side can pick up your voice note and they can ask me the question and we can take it from there. But under no circumstances, type whilst you are driving. Okay, that's <laughs> illegal. It's not even constitutional. Okay? So let's take it from there. Let me kick off with um, Ghalib. Ghalib, Section 29 of the Constitution, what does it entail? So Section 29 um, of the Constitution says that everyone has the right um, to basic education, which includes um, adult basic education, and then further education, and then further education as far as the as the government is able to provide it so there's the basic the right to free basic education um, in the constitution that's the right but then the question around um, higher education or tertiary education um, is then one that is within the means of government to provide so um, when we saw in 2015 the demand for free higher education that wasn't necessarily a right enshrined in the constitution um, and hence we saw um, over three years um, great contestation uh, coming from student um, um, from the student side um, in order to est to try and establish a right um, and there is a question that whether the uh, announcement on the 16th of December in 2017 just before he left office by former president Jacob Zuma um, that government would 
henceforth provide free higher education to to students, whether that now establishes this right um, to uh, for um, higher education students to demand from um, from government. And particularly, I think, in the context that we see now in 2018, where uh, NISFAS is in, shall we say, a bit of a mess, mm-hmm. um, and uh, bursaries and whatnot haven't been paid out yet to, to uh, students. Uh, uh, I just wanted to say, you know, once again, you know, the views <laughs> expressed in this program is not the views of the Voice of the Cape, it's management or staff. Because whoever's <laughs> now with NISFAS is now not going to appreciate we're saying that they're in a mess. I think there's a perceived mess by the students, you know, so maybe they're busy sorting out their, their house, but I want to hear from um, Conrad, what is your view on that? Because, well, you know, this whole thing of when, when Jacob Zuma former president said, you know, fees is free now. And of course, this fell into the lap of NISFAS, am I correct? Not necessarily. Okay, but now I wanted to explain it because I think a lot of people understand it that way. Because I had lots of calls on air at the time saying, you know, is NISFAS now going to pay my child's fees? You know, so, and then a lot of people were disappointed that the fees were not paid. So now we have this problem of saying on the one hand, that the, NIS, the, the the president said that fees is free. On the other hand, NISFAS is the agency that facilitates these free fees. So I want you to explain that to us. Yeah. Well, my understanding is that the NISFAS would be just the sort of the, how can I say, the medium. The agency. Let's the call agency them, okay. mm. to provide the funds. Yes. I still believe that uh, most of the responsibility still fell on institutions themselves to cover fees. But where would the money come from? Now, and this is the point in that it comes, the public sector would then have to put the bill for the fee, uh, free, fee-free education. Okay, so, so the public sector, so I take it that is, is an amount that is budgeted for by Parliament and of course moved to the Department of Education and the ed- top Department of Education or higher education will then of course disburse these monies to the institutions of higher learning like yes. the universities and the technicons. Yes. But then they also had the, this model of who become, who is free um, and then the middle group or the lost gap okay. um, students that would have free or not they would have no increase on their fees mm-hmm. and this is I'm not sure of the amount but, but income above 650,000 would pay okay normal we're going to talk a little bit about more about that because I want to get to the point of <coughs> on, on what basis we're talking about free fees and as a constitution guarantee this right and we also got Rudy Keeper on the line. Good evening, Rudy. Good evening, everybody listening. I can't hear you. You need to speak a little bit more clear. Okay, good evening to everyone in the voice of the pit. And good evening, Isham. Okay, great stuff. Thanks for that, Rudy. Rudy, after the break, I'm going to ask you, seeing that you were an active member of the students uh, at that time and you were arrested, 
Um, during the Fees Must Fall protest, I'm going to ask you your perspective on what you understand by the right to education. Okay, so think about that. After the break, we come back. I'm going to start with you. I'm going to go back to the other panelists. Back with Constitution Matters. Um, uh, your host is Ihsan Higgins. With me in studio is uh, Khalib Khalant, and we got um, the we got somebody on the line, and his name is Mr. Kibido, if I can remember correctly. Yes, and we got Dr. Conrad Potberg here. So is it a high-profile uh, education means here in the studio? So if I can just get to Mr. Kibido, what is your first name? Rudy. Uh, Rudy, 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 uh, what university are you at? Um, uh, uh, I'm at the University of the West Coast. I completed my LLB law degree at the university this year. Which university? At UWC. Oh, you at UWC. So you finished with the law degree? I'm completing my law degree at the Okay, now tell us, you were arrested, okay, um, during the Fees Must Fall protest. What happened to you? Uh, let me start this uh, by saying uh, this is the first time um, speaking out since we were declared not guilty um, some about two weeks back. Um, I think lots of time people have different perspectives or, or of what really transpired. Rudy, we're getting a lot of difficulty get hearing you. Can you put either your mouth closer to the receiver or something? But I mean, we, we can't hear you properly. You, it's like a, like a mumble. So maybe you want to speak a little bit slower and into the receiver. Can you hear me now? I can hear you a lot better now, yes. Okay, no, this is better. Uh, let me just start by saying uh, uh, it's the first time since coming out since we were declared not guilty um, about two to three weeks ago. After well, did, you, did your case run that years. long? Excuse me? How long did the case run? The case was, was, was on trial for like uh, three years. Did you have the right lawyers? <laughs> because it doesn't sound like you had the right lawyers that, that, that allowed this case to go on this long. And oh, you, you know, uh, it's, state, it's a state matter, so therefore um, it was treated with high sensitivity and therefore it had to be given the respect that it, that it actually deserved. Anyway, I would just say that three years is a very long time. Did it cost you a lot of money? No, it didn't cost us a lot of money. Uh, luckily, there was uh, lawyers that was um, more than willing to help our, our case because that, that believed our story um, and believed in our story. Okay, now they're not very... Then, then, like, then you had the right lawyers because if they, if, if they believed in your case and, and they didn't charge you, then I believe they did the right thing. It wasn't just a question of dragging the matter out so that they can be free. So it was a well done to the attorneys. So they got you off basically two weeks ago only. Not, uh, let's not say two weeks, uh, call it a month. Okay. And now tell me, what motivated you at the time to join the protest? I think um, lots of people lose a perspective of what really, like, before I said, really transpired um, back then. So um, people are actually clouded by judgment that, that, that is portrayed in the media most of the time. So um, I'd say 
on the day, people forget that there was innocent students around the protest as well. And um, telling my story, I, I really wanted to actually achieve this by um, another means, but I will go into into a little bit of detail about it. No, no, um, I don't. I don't have time for much detail. We're gonna break from Akhri very soon, so okay. I just need to tell tell me on what basis. Did you feel that you needed to, to participate in the Fismas full protest? I think I, I did not have a basis to, to, to uh, I, there was no basis, but um, after the whole episode happened, I, interest, I, I put my interest out there to learn from those that were genuinely fighting for the cause. And, and that's what I've learned from them, that, that the, 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 uh, the movement is actually something genuine um, above the, the hooliganism that people portray it to be on the outside. Okay, and tell me, did you believe that fees should be free at that point? At that, that point, in my, um, it, it, the, I, I was of opinion that it should be free, but um, I, I feel that the manner in which our generation took to, 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 to try and achieve it was um, kind of not the, the, the no, 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 no. Let's, let's not look at the means at this point in time. I mean, things happen, you know, people get out of hand, you know. Yeah. But I think, the, fir- control, yeah, yeah, but I think the, first, the first thing is you had an, a certain idea when you woke up that morning and you went to protest. Your motivation was that fees must fall. In your mind, did it mean that fees must now be free? That means that, uh, yeah, fees should be free. Okay. Now that's good because I want to get to that point. Um, I want to now ask the panel here in the studio, you know, what does it mean for the Constitution speaks about the right to education? But now does that right mean that there's no obligations attached to that right? Who do I start with? Conrad, let me start with you. Okay. Firstly, I'd like to say that... um, the Constitution speaks to the right to basic education. And as Khalid earlier mentioned, that the right to higher education or further education, um, the Constitution, Constitution speaks about making it accessible and not necessarily free, and there should be measures in place. The question becomes, what is free? Is there such a thing as free education or free higher education mm-hmm. because someone has to pay of course and then it becomes that just reminds me now somebody just sent a message here it says salam mr higgins the fees must fall campaign has resulted into the increase of vat to cover the free higher education putting more strain on the poor sa taxpayer and resulted in the increase of the cost of living and bring the country into disrepute that's exactly what you're saying right now so it becomes a state-funded model more. Um, I think the demand is more for a state-funded model for higher education. But then I always question the issue about basic education or further education, the FET phase, that there's a need for free education there as well. Because in all our attempts to include people, while our schools are under-resourced, we'll still be excluding a certain group of people, especially those that have access to better resource schools. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes we have students that are underprepared when they enter university. Okay. So so I understand that. 
So, in, in a word, you say, you'll say that the, edu- the Constitution guarantees education, but it doesn't guarantee free education. Yes. And therefore, there's certain mechanisms that need to be put in place. Now, Ghalib, we've heard gov- government's response to it. In fact, there was a few parties that responded to this. The university senates, or rather the, the, the councils, who, who needed to respond to this fees must fall protest that um, our other guest uh, Rudy is, uh, that's been involved in they needed to respond to this there was a lot of pressure put on by parliament because of course parliament was essentially stormed on a certain day and government responded in a certain way do you think it was the responsible response at the time or was it, a, or was it more a, a, a necessary response you know, to that particular situation so, I mean, we, I think we can probably spend hours and hours thinking through what went through former President Zuma's mind in December uh, when he made the announcement of uh, free education. And to some extent, he's left that legacy with the new uh, government um, to implement. And so what government has done um, is to already increase um, by something like 7 billion rand uh, funding two universities and TVET colleges um, in this year. And so there's the rather ambitious um, plan to increase funding to the sector from 9 billion rand uh, this, uh, this year to 35 billion rand in 2020-2021. So that's the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, already what that says is that we're not dealing with a free education system. We're still dealing with a fee-based education system. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you don't fall within the the bracket of 350,000 Rand or below, then uh, you will be required still to pay fees. Full fees or... or, um, Anyway, Ghalib, we're going to get into what exactly people must pay in respect of this... Uh, right to to, to 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 education and that we're going to do after the break and we're going to first now break from Akhrib according to my technician so after Salah we'll come back and we will talk about you know the, 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 the what must what's the obligation okay we understand the right what's the obligation and we're going to hear from Rudy also you know what his view is pertaining to a potential model you know of going forward so shukran for that we, we we're gonna come off the back of this break Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. It's um, we finished with uh, prayers now. We started with Maghrib Salah. So now we're going to continue with some of our questions. And a uh, lot of questions coming in. And uh, we just had a question from Shante. Uh, Salam Ihsan. It's been noted on your show this evening that fee-free education is not guaranteed by our constitution. But is it something that could be realized in terms of the provision which exists today, which is Section 29. Uh, that we can answer, you know, in, 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 in the other discussion. Uh, Rudy, are you still with us? Okay, we, we're going to get him on a bit later. Um, Conrad, 
I just want to check with you, you know, obviously education through this provision in the Constitution. A lot of people read this provision to mean, you know, if, if people like when, when, when people read in the Constitution about housing, your right to housing, people think it's free housing. People read about education, people think it's free education. Can our country afford this? I don't think so. Not at the current uh, state of affairs, you know, and um, this makes me think about the current debate and uh, with Section 25 of the Constitution and the amendment to Section 25. And if we want to protest about free education, or the right to education, to right to free education, then there should be the demand for the amendment to Section 29 of the yes. Constitution then. Of course, to say free. To say free, yes. Because and then demand higher education to be free as well. Okay. Now, Ghalib, what did it cost our country? I know that you, you are in possession of some of the stats. So, um, I mean, the, the FISMAS for um, protests over the three years were interesting because, one, it largely affected universities. Even though um, the biggest recipients, I guess, even under this um, new fee arrangement will be the TVET colleges. Um, and so most poor people actually go to TVET colleges. Um, and for 90% of TVET college students, um, education will come under this f uh, free education umbrella. Um, only maybe 40% of university students will, will eventually fall under, um, uh, under this. Uh, however, there's a cost to that. So education, everything that government provides um, comes at a cost. And so um, when we were talking about free, free education at the end of last year, we were talking of an order of 57 billion rand needed to be found in order to fund that. Mm. But there was also costs involved even in the protest. And so there's, so there's a question for me around the 800 million rands worth of damage done to infrastructure and university properties, for example, across the country. Uh, that also has to How be much? 800 say? million rands, so close to a billion rands worth of damage. To the actual university and, and, and higher education infrastructure, infrastructure. like buildings, etc. Yeah. So if you remember the the big fire at UJ, um, we had several... Um, there was a fire in Wellington in uh, one of CPUT, one of the CPUT um, campuses, yeah. the, the Great Hall, etc., etc. So... 800 million rand, close to a billion rand's worth of damage done through those protests. Now, that also needs to be factored into in terms of the well, cost well, of Was there no insurance on these things? Well, I don't know. Well, let, let's not talk about that now. But, okay, it's 800 million worth of damage as a result of fees must fall. And then, of course, the money that the government must find to finance this promise by the former president um, that's of course. How much was that? So that's about uh, in the order of about th between thirty and fifty billion rand. Sure. So the so not so million billion billion. That's, okay. That's, you know, it's just nine three zeros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the so everything and and that's why the the constitutional provision says in re in relation to higher education that it is um, achievable but progressively realizable. 
Mm. So within the, um, uh, the the constraints of the resources that are available to government. Now, add to that that we are on the verge of being declared junk status in mm. terms of our economy. So the, where the money will come from, not maybe this year, but next year and the year after that, these are recurring costs. There, so there's a question around how realizable progressively will this be so um the the promise made at the end of last year in uh, in december by former president zuma um when in fact he was standing on the precipice of being booted out anyway mm. um was really a poison chalice almost handed to to this country mm. Whether the demand for free education is a legitimate, legitimate one or not, that's not, a, not the question. Um, I think the, the, the issue is whether we will be able to realize that. Is it, and if we're not able, is it something that we ought to be promising even? Okay, so that brings me to the question, Conrad, maybe you can answer it. In light of what Ghalib said now, it seems that you know this is an unaffordable exercise for this country so does that now mean that that perceived right is actually a privilege when it comes to higher education that's a very tricky question that. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why you should think here to answer those questions because it just sounds like if the country can't afford these particular um, monies that was now flouted, like between 30 billion and 50 billion, our country is about to go into a recession, or whether we are in the recession already, is it affordable? Can we still then say it's going to be free, and if you can't afford it, it becomes a privilege? Yeah. I think it's important, as the same point I raised earlier, the more we try to include certain, or the more we try to include everybody, the more we exclude um, certain individuals as well. So I would agree with the notion that there would be to some extent a privilege because if we're looking at our weaker or poorer socioeconomic communities and they're going to be serviced through this um, right, then it becomes a privilege for them. So whatever I achieved previously and to sustain my family and to provide them a better life becomes now that you're not entitled to that um, privilege now mm -hmm. because you're not the poorest of the poor. Okay, now coming to the poorest of the poor issue. Ghalib, I'm looking for a solution now because we don't have a lot of time left. I'm sorry that I mean, this is the topic we can speak about for two hours. But what I want to ask now is, isn't a good solution, I'm putting it to you, that when somebody qualifies, they may have received the education for free, but when he, or he or she starts earning money, shouldn't there be a form of a, right, a special tax that the person that benefited from free education can now, when they start working, that the percentage of their money must now go back into the tertiary edu education? Is, is that not a possibility? So if you remember um, in the run-up sort of throughout last year, um, there were public consultations on what this fee-free education model should look like, etc. And there were a number of uh, submissions. 
some submissions spoke of um, a, a graduate tax along the lines of what you, you were suggesting now. Um, others talked about paying it forward. So there were a number of really interesting um, uh, suggestions that came out. Um, there were also, though, um, certain sectors that uh, were quite dogged in pursuing free education for everyone. So there were a number of, of, of um, suggestions that actually those who could afford to pay ought to pay. Um, but there were also the, the sort of very strong positions from many uh, fallist uh, quarters that, no, 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 the principle was free education. And that meant free for everybody. So somebody finishes up with his law degree and he works for a fancy law firm and he buys himself a BMW or Mercedes or whatever the case of a fancy car he has. And he had the benefit of free education. Somehow, that doesn't sit right with me. Conrad, what do you think? I agree with that. And I think that um, there needs to be some form of repayment. And I think initially Nesfas was the one that would, it wasn't a bursary. Nesfas served the purpose of a loan scheme. And you had to pay back yes. in order to fund the next generation. So I remember... Ten years after I finished my law degree, I received a letter from Nisfas saying I owe them 8,000 Rand. And I thought, how did I owe them 8,000 Rand? At the time when I finished, I think it was about 2,000 Rand. And then the interest is carried on and on and on, and ten years later it came, got to 10,000. And then I tried to explain to them from a legal position, you know, that you can't, the, the in-duplum rule applies, it can never be more than 4,000. Alternatively, they should have written it off after a certain time. And then I started researching it, and then I realized that NISFAS can claim monies back from you 15 years in terms of the Prescription Act. And secondly, that in-duplum rule didn't apply to them. It may apply now, but the reality is, some ways along the line you need to pay it back and of course I had to pay it back so I don't see why this is is it is it the, the as the debate finished can these proposals not still be tabled somewhere at some portfolio committee or something is it finished now or is and and, and that that what Ghalib said now is going to be our reality to make this right a you know something real or can we still have this debate I think it's also important that this cannot end now, even if we look at the section of the Constitution. And we, it needs to be a progressive process, and it can't be concluded within a year, two years. And I think clearly there needs to be thought about how we're going to collect those monies again. And the point I made earlier also off air was um, in our capitalist society, we can't speak about um, free unless we move to a socialist um, economy where we say, okay, everything is now free and somebody needs to get paid, somebody needs to pay for things. Mm -hmm. So um, they need to be looked at, and not everybody is being taxed. Yeah, and often it's the poorest mm. that suffer the most from the taxes that are implemented. Okay, there's a nice uh, uh, message on here that says 
Uh, seems everything in South Africa is a headache at the moment. People go, can't get everything free of charge. They want it free, but the quality isn't good. The system can't sustain itself. Now, Ghalib, on that note, I want you to conclude, because we're now eating now past seven. I want you to, 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 to maybe tell us, as a, as, a, as a conflict resolution specialist, where do we take this fight now? You know, as civil society, do we now just accept, you know, what was done by a previous uh, government, you could say, the Zuma dispensation? How do we engage the Ramaphosa dispensation to actually get us back on track to make sure that this right is implemented from a constitutional point of view, but also at the same time making sure that it does not overburden the currently overburdened taxpayer any further? Not a simple question. I know it's a simple <laughs> question, um, but try to, 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 to just direct us in the right direction. Who do we lobby at this point in time as civil society? I suspect there are, there are probably some fundamental questions, though. Um, so much of the the three years of Fees Must Fall was focused on universities. And so there is a big question around whether that really is the locus um, or the, the, the space that um, people coming into access um, higher education ought to be going into, right? And given the, the needs of the country. So if you look at the cost of university education versus the cost, for example, to go to a TVET, um, there's a marked difference. And so already in, in relation to the numbers, um, you can get fewer students through with the same amount of money as you would through TVET colleges. So I think there's a, there's a, um, a question around um, whether the, the focus of our attention has been the correct one. So that's the first thing. The second thing is government's plan is to phase this in. Um, and it started with first-year students in 2018 so, and going forward. So if you were second year in 2018, you would, you would not benefit from this. Yeah? So, so already there's a, this phased-in approach. Do we claim this right? So first of all, there is a big question, is it a right? Because the Constitution hasn't been amended. The Constitution yeah. still talks about realizable within, within the means, right? Uh, which also seems to suggest that if we don't have the means, if we continue to sit with a 50 billion rand hole in the fiscus, um, that this might be one of the things that gets cut. There are lots of questions because do you um, prefer 83,000 university students, which is what the money will pay for now, versus, say, 10 million grant beneficiaries? Mm. These are the hard questions. When it comes down to numbers, right, um, where do you spend your money? What is the priority? And in the absence of, I think, a national debate on what is our education for, and the more, if we look at the current economic climate, uh, what are we training people up for? Mm. How are we reshaping this economy to better meet modern needs? Um, just throwing money at the situation, I don't think is going to solve Because, it. I mean, don't we have enough, uh, Conrad, last point, don't we have enough BA graduates and social science graduates? That's possibly unemployed at the moment. Yes, I would say so. Um, 
you know, the concern is always that we look at all these graduates and then whether they are employable <laughs> and then you ask the question was the protest itself was it worth it mm -hmm. good and question so on that on the question of was it worth it Ghalib, presidential pardons was also part of that was it worth it thing people are ending up with with uh, with, with criminal records and they what what is the story with presidential pardons so the president has um which president now <laughs> well, CR17, I guess. Okay, CR17. <laughs> so President Ramaphosa has, under the under the constitution, the right, him personally, to pardon um, people, and so that generally talks about someone who already ha is sitting with a criminal conviction, um, and. He only the president can do so. He can't um, delegate that to to a subordinate. Um, it must be rational. Um, there are so there are some limitations, but actually it's an unfettered discretion. Um, discretion. Okay. So, um, so the so there is a question though that it must be rational. It can't be outside of the constitutional framework, um, and. It must be exercised. So, so is this being done at the moment? Has it been done it, or well, will it still be done at some point? Well, you remember that President Mandela, for example, um, pardoned uh, um, people in the, uh, what was that, the, the Yugo case. Um, Thabo Mbeki um, uh, pardoned two people as well. Who, But, they, but there the circumstances were... No, 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 were, but I want to get you yeah. closer to home now. The current people that sitting now with criminal records as a result of this, oh, will they be part? Has it been promised to them? It, has Cyril Ramaphosa promised this? No, is it I something think, that I is going to be implemented or must it still be lobbied? The message from government has been we're not going to consider that. In fact, there was some fancy footwork. The Justice Minister has said they will assist with appeals, with an appeal process through the National Prosecuting Authority. Um, against the sentences. Now, that's not a pardon. Mm -hmm. um, a pardon would be that the the squashing of the criminal record, expunging of the criminal record, or um, the reduction of the remittance of the fines, etc. Uh, that's not currently on the table, even though it's a demand. Okay. Well, that's something that I would like to, 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 to speak about, you know, uh, at a later point again. Unfortunately, you know, we have run out of time. The legal hour people has already arrived. So it brings me to the end of the show, and we would like to thank our guests, Harleb, Rudy, and Conrad, for joining us this evening. And uh, definitely an interesting discussion. And I hope the people at home, they've listened and learned something new tonight. And maybe have more questions in the air that they can send into Voice of the Cape Radio. So thank you for, for listening and participating in the discussion on the right to education. The questions are still coming through. So next week, inshallah, we're going to have... Uh, we're going to talk about land expropriation again on, from a constitutional point of view. I'm not sure yet who my producers are actually bringing on as guests. I'm assuming, you know, it's going to be people that are as knowledgeable as my current guests. So same time next week, same place, and another episode of Constitution Matters in collaboration with Voice of the Cape Radio, Students for Law and Social Justice, the Council for the Advancement of the South African Constitution, and Canon Collins. So from my side, Assalamu alaikum and good evening. And uh, Happy New Year.